Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Episode 2. We've all heard the story of Humpty Dumpty. How he climbed on top of the hill and the, or the wall and then fell and then the king's men's and horses couldn't put him back together again, etc. As with Jack and Jill, let's give this one a little bit more color. Let's assume for the moment that Humpty Dumpty, who, interestingly enough, we view as an egg or a human egg, so let's just simply call him mutant, because who doesn't like the word mutant? I certainly do. This mutant, this Humpty Dumpty, felt special, so special in fact, in fact that he felt that he could climb on top of the highest of the highest of the walls. And then if he fell, of course, the king's horses and the king's men would come put him back together again. I still don't quite understand how horses can assemble eggs or mutant men egg things. But be that as it may, in the story, we're going to assume that they have that power. All right. So this prick of a mutant feels that he deserves the right to be reassembled regardless of his actions. All right. Illustration number one. Illustration number two comes from my own personal life. I belonged at one time to a community carpool van pool thing. And the journey home from work took us through a construction zone where there was a lane that with very short notice merged into the lane we were in. And I vividly remember the driver that we had at the time was angry or upset not entirely sure what was going on in his head at the time, but it became very obvious that he was doing everything in his power to prevent the driver in the neighboring lane from merging into our lane. Eventually, the other car, which was smaller and lighter, was able to pull in front of us and make it into the lane before she crashed and burned. His response was, at least I made her work for it. Now marinate that on that for a minute. The third illustration comes from my personal life as well. And this is one of those moments where I can honestly and sincerely say I learned a very valuable lesson that I myself am, or at least can be, a prick as well. This goes back into the early days of my wife and I being married. We've been married now for approximately... 17 or so years. And in the course of those early days, I considered myself to be a fair and reasonable driver. Very good, in fact. Very few marks on my record. We were traveling down a main thoroughfare towards a freeway, and I noticed the car next to me was making moves as if they were going to pull into my lane and pull in front of me so they could as well get on the freeway. Well, I was going to have none of that. And so I sped up. I sped up just at the moment they decided to change lanes, which prevented them from getting into my lane, and they had to swerve so as in avoiding an accident. I got a look from them, and I gave them a look in return. And then they promptly sped up to pull in front of me again, which in turn caused me to promptly speed up and pull in front of them. Eventually, they ended up pulling in behind us, and we both got on the freeway alive and well, until I turned and looked at my wife. 
who gave me this look as though I were slime, or at least a terrible human being. Now, admittedly, she probably wasn't giving me quite that dirty of a look. She loves me very much, and she's very patient with me. However, I probably deserved a really nasty look. Because frankly, I was being a complete a-hole. And I'll admit that, because it's true. And I realized that terrible things could have happened there. Accidents, injuries, road rage. Since then, I feel that I've become a much kinder person on the road. And I hope that's true. Be that as it may, that is another illustration of the point we're coming to. The final example or illustration I want to share before we get to the topic at hand is related to an animated movie that was put out back in the late 90s, I want to say 99, called The Emperor's Groove or The Emperor's New Groove. It's a fantastic little cartoon where you meet an emperor who believes that his home or his summer home or his summer pool home that he's going to build is going to be the most fantastic thing. And it's going to bring joy and happiness to him and to him and to him. However, before he can build it, he has to demolish a village. So if you haven't already figured it out, the topic that I would like to discuss in this podcast is entitlement, which is more or less a type of perspective. The literal definition or a definition of entitlement is the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. I'm going to substitute the word belief with perspective. So we perceive that we are inherently deserving of certain things. Now let's use an example from our solar system and our own history at the same time. At one point in time, our ancestors many centuries ago believed that we here on Earth, because we existed, must be the center of the universe, the center of everything. Perception. We are us, therefore we are the center. Obviously, we determined that was wrong. You look up in the sky and you see this giant moon, this big hunk of cheese floating in the sky, and must say to ourselves, well, that's pretty big. Maybe it's the center. Well, obviously, it's not, and I don't know that very many historical cultures believed it was. The further away from that you get, you run into Jupiter. And Jupiter is massive, like so big, in fact, that unless I'm hugely off base, with the exception of the sun, you can take all the other masses from all the other planets and moons, asteroid belts, comets, etc., and pack them into Jupiter, and you'll still have space to spare. Yet, the solar system doesn't still revolve around it. Now, we get to the biggest thing in our solar system, the sun. Look at me, I'm massive. You know what? The sun can certainly believe that because it's true. It is massive, at least as it relates to the rest of our solar system. So it should believe that it's the center of the solar system because it's massive. It is the most massive. And therefore, well, we're all taught it's the center of the solar system. I'm going to dash your beliefs in that particular regard. It's not quite the center of our solar system, regardless of what we want to believe. In our last episode, we talked about the Berry Center and how there's this relationship between the moon and the earth. There's also a relationship between Jupiter and the sun, a barycenter, and that point where those two masses orbit is not in the sun. It is actually outside of the sun. 
So if you think about it from that standpoint, our solar system doesn't quite revolve around the sun as the center. There's more of a center point slightly outside of the sun where the Jupiter and the sun orbit, which is causing the rest of our solar system to orbit in a funky and not quite cylindrical way. That probably doesn't make a lot of sense the way I explained it. The point is that we've got this giant massive object in the sky that we all think is the center. It seems to even deserve to be the center, but it isn't. Before we go too much further down this idea, it is very, very important that we understand something I was taught many years ago. Information falls into four categories of eyes. The first eye is irrelevant, meaning if you know the information, great. If you don't know the information, great. I don't know that any information out there is truly irrelevant, but I would argue that sometimes it is significantly less relevant than other information. The second category is interesting. Well, myself personally, I find just about everything interesting in one way, shape, or form, which drives my family nuts because I am willing and happy to talk about anything. The third category is important. Important means it's going to have an impact. So knowing it is good, even arguably great. And the final I is imperative. If something is imperative, it is probably life-changing in some way, shape, or form. It will have some kind of dramatic effect. Like, hey, it's imperative that I know there's a giant nuclear missile flying towards me, right? Now, you may not be able to get out of the way, but I would argue that you're at least going to want that moment to say goodbye before you're obliterated. So, the reason I bring this up is because as we're talking about entitlement, we need to understand that we, each and every one of us, all the billions of people that are alive on this earth right now and or will be alive on this earth, have self-worth. We are worth something. We deserve something in one way, shape, or form. Our existence is vital. We need to believe that. We need to understand that. I can vividly remember my very first job, my very first manager in a legitimate career. I met with him a few months after I had been hired. And he asked me if this raise that I was getting was what I believed I deserved. And I gave him this blank look. And he says, it is very important that you understand your worth. Well, from my perspective, I had no perspective. I had never been in this situation before. I didn't know what it meant to have worth, an understanding of my value. So it is important for us to understand that we have value and that we have self-worth. Never, ever think otherwise. Having said that, what is the difference between our self-worth and entitlement? Where does that threshold get crossed where we begin to be entitled? Like in the example of me driving on the road where I felt my lane was mine or the driver in the van pool I was on, where he felt that he had to have this person fight to get into his lane, or in the Emperor's New Groove, where it was his right 
to destroy this village so he could build his summer home. Or in this story that we talked about at the very beginning, where we have Humpty Dumpty, who felt that it was his right to climb onto whatever he wanted to. And if he fell, people would clean him up or put him back together again, the mutant that he is. Having said that, honestly, if you fell and you were so broken, somebody had to put you together again, I kind of don't know that you'd still be alive. So I guess it's a good thing he's a mutant. Not that that's really relevant, but I felt that I should share that insight. So what does this all mean? What should we do about it? What's the difference? I'm going to tell you that from my perspective, the difference between our self-worth and crossing into the world of entitlement is how we perceive the impact to those around us. If our actions or if our desires are ones that will influence or positively impact the people around us, our fellow humans, the bipedal sentient homo sapiens that are walking around this world in a positive way, then it is not entitlement. It is not selfish. And we may all believe or perceive how our impacts will be positive to other people differently. That's okay. That's even good. Because again, different viewpoints we all look at things a little differently, it increases the depth of understanding. But it is important that we understand that we need to make sure that we are trying to positively impact those around us before we positively impact ourselves. This goes back to the quote that I gave in the last podcast, and I will repeat this quote in probably every podcast going forward because I feel that it is that important. What if the only way to positively impact ourselves, or more specifically, to achieve our greatest potential is to help everyone else achieve theirs. I brought this quote up to somebody else that I know, and they said, well, isn't it an interesting contrast that a supervillain, if I might be so bold as to state it in this regard, we just recently saw Shazam, by the way, supervillain, superheroes, hilarious movie. Anyways, supervillains would look at it in the opposite way. What if the only way for me to achieve my maximum potential is to put everyone else down? When we put it in those terms, it seems very obvious that that is the wrong thing, the bad thing. So if I'm driving down the road and there's a person that I can tell is obviously trying to pull into my lane, with or without a blinker, First off, I have to ask myself the question, is it really my lane? Do I even have the right to call it that? Or is it our lane? And is this something I should share? Or is this something that I should even take a big step back and say, it's a privilege for me to be here and I should be grateful. We're going to talk about gratitude in another podcast that I even have the chance to be on this lane at all. So I should open myself up to this. I have driven large vehicles in the past, not necessarily full-fledged 18-wheelers, but large vehicles. And it's difficult to change lanes. Well, after my personal experience where I was a complete jerk to that person on the road, one of the commitments I made to myself is that if I'm ever in a situation where a semi needs to pull into a lane that I am currently in, 
I will do everything in my power to give them that space. Because if I can make their life just slightly better, it's better for them and it's better for me. Because honestly, if you've got a diesel driver and a little bit of road rage, they have a gigantic machine that they can do a lot of destruction with, if nothing else. One of the illustrations I want to make bringing this back to Humpty Dumpty is that I was being entitled by declaring that Humpty Dumpty was a prick or a jerk because they were obviously believing themselves to be so great that they could do whatever they wanted and people would still put them back together again. The reality is I don't know what kind of condition this individual had. I don't know what's going on in their heads or what agreements they had with the king's men and the king's horses. What if the king had specifically hired Humpty Dumpty to fall from large heights so that he could train his horses and men to reassemble mutants? I don't know that. That was rather entitled of me to believe something out of an assumption. My perception may have been wrong. In addition to that, if you look at the conclusion to The Emperor's New Groove, you'll see, very interestingly enough, that his entitlement was washed away through the idea of bringing other people's joy before his own, which, interestingly enough, brought him further joy. And now what? Well, we have inherent value. We exist, we should exist, and we need to believe we should exist. That knowledge is imperative. Because if we don't believe we have self-worth, then this is going to be a pretty miserable place for us to exist. In addition to that, if we put others and their needs, their joy, in a position that is at the very least equal to our own, if not slightly greater, then we can step outside of this idea of entitlement and instead put ourselves in a position where we are on, at the very least, equal footing with our brothers and sisters around us. To achieve our maximum potential, we need to help everyone else achieve theirs. Everyone have a spectacular week, smile, be happy, and remember that when Chuck Norris enters a room, he doesn't turn the lights on, he turns the darkness off. <laughs>